People of Earth, attention! This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Welcome to Chronosphere Fiction. This is your pilot of the Chronosphere, Daniel French. Today we travel back to Estelring to catch up with Gafgarn, the eternally unfurnished, and his crew. We're going to pick up where Sick Lilith set off that huge explosion. Please tell your friends to subscribe to Chronosphere Fiction. Hopefully many others will enjoy the story as well. And now, Chapter 10 of Gafgarn the Eternally Unfurnished, The Heist. The night was elderly in the wasted cadaver. A sign reading, Closed for Remodeling, hung from the locked front door, and lanterns illuminated the main room. Burly armed guards leaned against the door frame outside, eyes drowsily scanning the street. Tables and chairs were pushed to the outskirts of the room against the walls. Various bags, boxes, and tools took their place, and scraps of wood and metal lie in a neat pile on the floor. The area resembled a workshop more than a congenial inn. Wither wore an apron over his usual suit, stained with unknown oils and marked with a history of inventive workmanship. He knelt behind the bar, gently poking and prodding various planks and panels. Smoke from a short, stout pipe, carved into a wormy, toothy creature, threaded into the air above him. He reached up to the countertop, grabbed a tankard, and took a deep pull. Artag was similarly donned, sweeping the last of the detritus into the refuse pile. Professor, your ingenuity never ceases to amaze me. The work you've done is exquisite. Makes the adjustments you made last time little more than mule farts in the wind. I never regret to purchase from the good professor. Satisfied with the results of his prodding, Withers stood with a gleaming, smoky grin. Such is the nature of the scholar and experimenter, old boy. Ever improving upon designs and machinations. The wasted cadaver should suffice as a bastion of comfort and security for years to come indeed. I hope so. I've never once had to resort to your clever precautions, but tensions as they are in Essel Ring, there's no doubt to their necessity. Thanks again for the discount as well. For a man with your refined quality, prices need not be exorbitant. Still, you paid for quality, and I guarantee there are none better in the kingdoms. The immediate need for the installation has me piqued, old boy. I dearly hope I'm present when the necessity arises. Artag noticed a panel in the floor in front of the bar about twice as wide as his shoulders, floating just above the floor level at an angle facing the front door. I got one loose here, Professor. Indeed. Let me fix that for you, old boy. A slight adjustment, and it'll be right as rain. Wither stepped over to the panel and knelt. He pulled it up slightly and reached into the space below it with a tool like a wrench. After a few twists, he pushed the panel back down 
as if it were on a hinge. It clicked into place. He walked over it several times, then puffed with contentment. Your comrades have been gone for a long time. You wouldn't suppose they're in some sort of trouble, are they? Where Gafgon goes, old boy? Trouble is destined to follow. Suddenly the door burst open. Aleda stumbled in, followed by a haggard Harden, both with weapons in hand and sweat about their brows. Their breaths were heavy with the effort of flight. Harden made sure the door closed tight behind them. The guards outside looking sharply for any pursuers. <sighs> Sit down before you bring Coscadil the clawed self down on us, Harden cursed, punctuating his frustration with the sheathing of his blade. Leda stuck her sword in a table. Artag reacted like he'd been hit, performing a dance, equal parts astonishment and dismay. See here, would you mind leaving your shoes outside? I don't want to deal with whatever you stepped in. You should have let me go. He'd be gone, and that'd be the end of it. You'd also be dead. Did you see that crowd? I can handle myself, Hardin. You're tough, but not that tough. The gangs could make Esterling far less welcome for us hunters. They could try. And that girl he says he has. What will become of her? Another strumpet in Madame's employ? I warned you not to let your little vendetta get the better of you. Stop and think. Aleda gritted her teeth like a beast. That thing needs to die. Excuse me. I couldn't help but overhear your incessant nattering. And I can only conclude this pertains to AJ and my sister. Where is she? With the madam. Then she's a dead woman. Hold there, Professor. You don't just go out and kill the madam. Never mind that she has an army of grifters between you and her, but let's not forget who allows the shadowy bits of Estelring to operate in the first place. The royals. She's employed by one of them, the duchess, in one of those castles up there. Going toe-to-toe -to -toe with that madwoman means placing a bright bullseye on your forehead for the world to see. Don't fret, old boy. She'll never see me coming. Now that I know where she is, no one is going to stop me. Let's go now, Wither. We still have time before the sun rises. Harden remained between Aleda and the door and said, No, Aleda. I can't let you. You're smart enough to see that's what AJ wants. To goad you into coming for him through the madam. It would cause the city to fall apart. He's hitting you where it hurts. You're so blind that you can't see he's using Cece's memory to manipulate you. He slit her throat, Hardin. After I did what he asked, after I did this to myself, he still took her from me. Didn't you hear what he said? It's still just a joke to him. I know, I know. She was my friend too. The whole guild has it out for AJ for what he did to you too. But right now, he has us in a corner. We need to be patient. We know AJ. He won't just sit around for long. He'll create an opening for us eventually. You need to calm down and wait. I agree. I don't know this, AJ, but I understand the situation. Elena, if you do something now, you might kill this bastard. But the consequences would be so much worse for everyone else. Professor, I think you might have to give this some thought as well. If it becomes apparent that you killed Madam and that you were staying here, it might result in the same madness that a guild bounty hunter killing a mob boss would. This is complicated. We should all rest and meet with the rest of your crew in the morning. I'll give everyone a day. If we don't have a solid plan, I'm killing the old gal myself. I will have my sister freed. She's all that matters. 
Besides, you don't understand the danger everyone is in while AJ has her. What do you mean? Artag asked. Thunderous applause echoed through the city, like a mountain being split open. Everyone turned to the windows in surprise. Something similar to that might happen, I'm afraid. Cacophony and destruction were more than Gafgarn could have ever expected. He had seen walls topple from stones of catapults, heard their crumblings, but those were nothing compared to whatever this was. After the initial thunderclap, a cloud of dust and dirt filled the room like the flood from a dam. Candles and torches blew out, heralding the rock that pelted them like hail. It was as if the pathway ahead were the throat of an earthen beast who with a roar vomited its stony contents violently outward. He coughed and hacked and could hear nothing for a few moments but an irritating whine. A hand pulled him from the scruff of his cloak in the direction of the explosion. Gafgarn allowed himself to be drawn through the darkness, holding his hammer tightly while he focused on his footing amid rubble and collapsed earthen works. After climbing a ramp of dirt and stone, firelight revealed an opening. Beyond, it was apparent they were in the basement of a stone structure. Some wooden objects within, feeding bright flames. The collapse of the stone above revealed several stories, and a gaping hole through which Gafkarn could scarcely make out the silhouette of a tall, imposing structure in the waning dark. Windows were lit with lantern and torchlight. The shadows of figures limbed within them. In the room, through the thick firelit dust, he could see the bodies of Madame's gangsters clad in spiky black, alongside the shiny armor and lion emblazoned tabards of city guards. That's a castle up there, Gafgarn explained. We're on castle grounds. Can't get anything past you, can I, big guy? Falk said. Stay cool, move quickly, before everyone in that keep is on top of us. You snuck us into a castle, then let everyone in it know where we are. Yes, and? You've killed us. Especially if we sit around talking, right? With all the dust, rubble, and dead, it was easy to miss the unharmed stacks of lockboxes lining the walls and toppled on the floor. The same lockboxes carried by the strong-armed thugs collecting coin on the streets. Even with the annoying dust, Gafgarn grinned. Falk's agents organized a chain, passing the lockboxes back into the tunnel. What you so happy about, boss? Dorn asked. The madam, Sully said. Fox is stealing the people's money back. This must be the Duchess's keep. Clever, Amadi said. Dangerous. She'll appreciate we're on the ground. Our graves are already dug, eh, Gaff? We're in it now. Two arms, friends. Their forces muster. Into the room barreled gangsters and guard alike. Leathers with spikes and breastplates bearing the crest of the lion. They came into the dust-choked chamber like blind specters tripping over rubble and howling. Gafgarn took full advantage. He charged forward, butting his hammer into the gut of a thug. He savored the crack of ribs, then swung into the breastplate nearest him, crushing it inward. No chairs! No benches! No beds! He wound his arm around another's like a snake, breaking it in two places and causing its dagger to clatter harmlessly on the floor. Just a fight. An arrow zipped past his face. 
he followed its trajectory back to its bow. Already taut, a shaft ready. Gafgarn eyed a lockbox at his feet, wound up a mighty swing, and snapped it into the air. It hurled through the loose shaft into its sender's face. Oi, Gaff! Torrin said, lugging another box. Fire will! Aha! Gafgarn laughed as he batted the box from the air, turning it into another deadly missile. As lines of the gorillas continued passing lockboxes down the tunnel, Sully stood by them, loosing her own arrows into the dust. She aimed upward, where archers took their places on the ruined floors above. More of Falk's troops rushed out. Pieces of the wooden barricades held above them like shields. Many arrows plunked harmlessly into the shabby improvised cover, but some found their way to unprotected targets. More reinforcements dragged the wounded and dead back down the tunnel. Besides Sully, Falks and Amadi stood between the gorillas and death, spear and blade flashing. I thought you wouldn't kill guards. Sully tagged a bowman above, aiming for Amadi's back, the sniper wailing as he fell into the chaos. That was before. Those who allow injustice are themselves unjust. I'll cut them down same as the rest. Amadi slid a blade aside with her own before cutting into her attacker's belly. How quickly you changed your mind. If the good guards can be rotten at their core, why not the other way around? Why couldn't a criminal be a good person at heart? A poor jest. Trust a thief not to steal, a murderer not to kill. There is no former criminal, none good at heart. You harm others or you don't. And if you do, you're punished. Trusting the wicked to right their ways is negligent, so you mustn't. That's how you keep a society safe. Like Yodoru, you mean? Like the Benai Fadwa? Yes. Yet you've killed many with so little effort. Only those deserving. I wonder how many you and your Benai Fadwa could have helped instead of killed. There is little crime in Yodoru because of the Benai Fondwa. The only prey are those who would harm others, and we're happy to hunt them. Injustice comes in many forms. Like, what would you do to me if... If what? Do you folks gab this much all the time? Falks grumbled, shoving his spear into a thug before dodging a guard's sword. He danced with his opponent for mere moments before tripping him as he advanced, then skewered his neck. Ugh. Can we please focus on the task at hand? Sully loosed another arrow and asked, How much time? Yes, we're going to be overrun, Fox. Seconds, friends. We've nearly taken all we need. Just hold the line. Where did all your forces come from? There weren't this many in that room. Not the only room we built, love. We have enough for the task at hand, but not for the fight, so stay focused. Gafgarn, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but we need the coin. Stop smashing people's faces in with them. Another lockbox soared through the air into a steel-clad chest, knocking its target into a breathless repose. Dorn and Gafgarn looked to Falks, exuberance and glee upon their faces. Fine, Gafgarn grumbled, swinging into an unfortunate that crumbled into the ground. Another charged Gafgarn's back, a dagger in her hand. Dorn rushed to protect him, but tripped over a stone and thudded into the ground hard. Gafgarn step-sided the knife, wrapped a massive bicep around the stabbing arm, then slammed his head into the thug's face. She fell back, bloody and unconscious. 
footing, Doran! Axe, Gaff! Gafgarn moved just enough to prevent an axe from cleaving his face off his head. He slammed his hammer into the man's leg, breaking it loudly. Oh, a little help here, boss! Doran raised his sword to block an incoming spear thrust. Gafgarn kicked his underling towards the rebels, leaving only the stone for the hungry spearhead to bite. Gafgarn swung hard, breaking through spear handle into the wielder's chest, crumpling breastplate and ribs. Learn to save yourself, Doran! Valks helped Doran to his feet. He pointed his spear back down the hole, striking a dramatic pose atop the rubble as spears sped by him and pronounced, Scrape up your last coin and gut your last crook. The coffers are empty. The lines receded into the tunnel. Anyone not carrying a barricade shield cradled a lockbox under each arm. Those who were armed backpedaled, funneling any attackers into the narrow tunnel. Gafgarn and Amadi held the regard, slashing and smashing shoulder to shoulder as the rebels retreated behind them. Sully took pot shots from between them. Dorn at her side with a bow he pilfered from the dead. Falks fought amongst them, stabbing out with his spear as Gafgarn and Amadi gave him openings. The guards and gangsters edged slowly down the tunnel now, close enough to keep sight, but far enough to avoid hammer and blade. With our excitable chums finally finding themselves wanting, how about we beat it? How are we going to escape? He'll be right behind us. Come now. You didn't think I threw this party without a proper exit, did you? The crone is our chauffeur. Crone? The entourage quickened from a careful retreat into a full tunnel-borne flight. They charged past the chamber where once the force was only mustered, deeper into the dark passageways, with the castle's troops on their heels. It was dark until Gafgarn spotted a familiar sight. A small, sparkling flame dancing on the floor. He stopped next to it and noticed it was moving back the way he came. Hey! An aged voice cracked next to him. How long a stare is it going to take you to remember what happened the last time you saw a lit fuse? What's an old woman doing with a group of revolutionaries? An old woman from another country, mind you. A prettier one. There was far better drink. Less stuff to blow up, though. And they called people by their name. Mm, then what's your name? None of your business, you big bald moron. A guard charged through the dark, past the fuse, straight at Gafgarn with an upraised sword. Gafgarn blocked his swing with his hammer's haft, then kicked out at a knee. It was enough to unbalance his opponent, even through his armor. With another shove, the guard fell back, and Gafgarn followed through with a mighty swing. Unworthy foe handled, the giant turned back to the crone. It's not safe! You have no idea, beast-headed buffoon. I know what's about to happen, and all you're doing is standing there. So are you! Yeah, waiting for your thickness to pick me up. You just gonna leave me here to die? In one motion, Gafgarn scooped her up and cradled her in one arm. She truly was like a tiny child, a wrinkly, angry child. Great. Now how about we beat it like the Foxman said before we're eating dirt and fire with the addle-brained castle bastards behind us? Get old Lilith out of here! 
Gafgarn bolted as fast as he could. He came to an intersection and found Sully, Doran, and Amadi waiting. Doran was waving a torch emphatically towards a path and sprinted down it as Gafgarn got closer. The sound of Falk's crew echoed lightly from the same direction. Move your horses, please! A deafening explosion thundered from behind them, urging them to follow Doran's direction. They ran as hard as they could. The rumble of tunnels caving in behind them heralded a cloud of rock and dust. Gafgarn's eyes stung and lungs choked as he was reminded of his passionate hate for the airborne detritus. They and the fox ran until only their hard footfalls and sharp breaths accompanied them. Deeper in the city, in the shadow of a hill, rested a red-roofed estate. Even in the dark hours of the early morning, most of its many windows flickered with candlelight. Guards in spiked leather roamed the small gardens within a walled enclosure. Torchlight illuminated blue and purple hearts painted on the visage of the building. Within, beyond the tinkling of glasses, giggling women, and rustling behind closed doors, Ursula fumed quietly in a luxurious bath. The door to her quarters opened and closed gingerly. She listened to the soft, booted feet, walked towards her until A.J. revealed himself from behind a folding screen. How's the girl? Ah, she's comfortable. It's not a hair on her head touched. As far as touching goes, I'm not worried about the hair on her head. Hmm. If she worked for me, she'd be even safer. Hmm? No one mistreats my girls. <sighs> you know, you could leave her with me. Cute little thing would roll a lot of coin into the above-ground operations. So. As fun as it might be to infuriate the good doctor with such a titillating tableau, the girl supposedly has a secret, and I intend to find out if it's true. Well, now... What's the secret? Can't spoil the fun, madam. But if it's true, she's set to overturn more than just a mattress. Shame. Shame. Well, a deal's a deal. I'll keep her safe. You get me the wolf. Using that hat of yours worked. Brought him right to us. Uh, it's just unfortunate that sad excuse for an assassin showed up. And the guard. Money didn't speak loud enough for the captain, huh? Ah, uh, he won't be speaking at all soon enough. <laughs> and he's never betrayed me before, and he never will again. I'll hang him from Nessio's arms in a church square. <laughs> uh, I'll show him. Well, he followed someone's directions. That must be frustrating. She gave him a look that nearly froze the water she was in. I'm pretty sure I know who. The walking dead that robbed us after the ambush on Gafgarn, the, the fox. <laughs> yeah, they've stolen from us before. Just annoying, but, but now, now I'll find every last one of them if I have to burn down the city to do it. Come now, madam. Your duchess might not like that. 
You can't squeeze too hard. Cousin to King Ethel, she could squeeze much harder than you. <laughs> oh, they invaded her keep. Some of that coin was hers. I, uh, well, I have a feeling she'll be happy to let me do as I please, so... <laughs> and Gathgarn? He was with them. Do you know, I think I'll be skinning the fox and the wolf at one time. What's your angle, clown? This can't be just about the girl. Vengeance is a wonderful thing to behold, madam. Giving you the opportunity is my pleasure. Across the city, atop a similar keep on a similar hill, a cloaked figure sat in a darkened office. The first rays of the new day's sunrise tickled at the edges of the gloom. The door, carved with lion inlays, opened allowing the light of a single candle to enter. A bearded man in eloquent blue robes threaded with gold came, candlelight gleaming off his many jeweled rings. He saw the cloaked figure and quickly shut the door behind him. Mm, you called? She purred, flipping her hood back to reveal red curly locks. Benji, I may have use of your services once more. And you shall refer to me as Lord. Is that understood? Fine. So who can I kill for you, my Lord? First, what did you discover? Is the one who killed the Baron in Esselring? The wolf is here, just as the missive said. And this informant, is he or she really to be trusted? Whoever it is told us where to find the wolf. And I knew Boss Hor would get to him at some point. Her weakness is in town. She's bound to make mistakes you can take advantage of. Trust him or not, things are working out in your favor. What about the rumors that some jester wanted for the murder of Hausto's first tentacle really killed the bulging baron? Captain Teda's reports pointed to him. <laughs> Do the words of some washed-up captain at the edge of the kingdom matter? It's clear no one saw the Baron's killer, and you have this foreigner that just happened to be in Halstow at the same time. How could anyone get to the Baron? He was a fat bastard, but he was tough. A war hero, if you'd believe King Essel. This Kafgan killed Smidgen, the bandit king. Word on the street is he might even be the barbarian from the east uniting the clans. That's ludicrous. Why would he be here? Killed a bandit king? Killed a baron? Now he's in Esteling, the seat of the southernmost kingdom, on the same night your cousin's keep is assaulted by the fox? Oh, what could he be after, my lord? Fine. There's enough proof that the king could believe the foreigner was responsible, even that he's here to cause unrest. If I could deliver him to the king, I might get the opening I need. And if Ursula crosses the lines, I think she will, your enemies might just destroy each other. What do you mean? The wolf was with the fox during the attack. He was seen with a Hunter's Guild member yesterday, even visiting the guild post with her. Elena the Hawk, I think. The madam is already going to tear through the city to bring the resistance down. You know the Duchess will approve it. 
but I wouldn't be surprised to see her cross the guild as well. She'll have to go through Elated to get Gafgon, right? Hmm. The fox, the wolf, the hawk, the madam, and the lion. This is going to get messy, but yes, yes, it's the best chance I have. I'll consort with the king, get him on my side. That means you can't kill the mountain savage until I tell you. And the fox? Surely he's a problem. Not mine. Not yet. We'll take him out at the right time. After we let him kill the king. And that finishes this episode of Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished. Written by Jeremiah French. Your narrator, Gafgarn, Doran, Wither, Hardin, and the sinister albino jester are voice acted by Mike Bethel. Warren Clark is Artag. Julia Eve is Aleda. Zachary James Machias is Falx. Dr. Michelle Booz is Sully. Deborah Crystalball is Imadi and Sick Lilith. Sarah Golding is Ursula, the Madam. Cindy Stevens is Vanji the Assassin. And our writer, Jeremiah French, steps in for his first voice acting role in Gafgarn as the Duke, obviously wearing his helmet. Production, sound design, and music is Daniel French. I'm going to be remastering episodes of Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished and releasing them as volumes. Volume 1 will be episodes 1 through 3, Volume 2 will be 4 through 6, and so on like that. Get ready, it's going to sound better than ever. Stay subscribed to Chronosphere Fiction for more Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished. Daniel Dredd, Aussie, Generation Z, and Agapantha. Until next time, keep your cosmos clean. Buongiorno. I am Flaudio, and I am very interested in what makes audio drama work. I want to share with you my recipe for a perfect evening. An evening for two lovers. Lovers of audio drama. When I plan an audio drama, I want to make sure that everything is perfect for us. The soundscape is the most important thing to set the mood for the night. When I lay in a special ambiance or sound effect, it is very important because it can express what I feel so perfectly. A sound effect can speak for the story when words just cannot capture the love I feel. Love I feel for you. When it is dark, I turn on the sound effects. I turn up the soundscape. 
and the voices can then dance in a perfect state of bliss, where there is no world except the one we make with our love. No time except what is needed for our story to play out. A story that we will make come true. This audio drama public service announcement was brought to you by The Amigos. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.